Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9 together. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. How was breakfast today? Personally, it's my favorite meal. I love breakfast, and I'll bet you do too. I hear some of those murmurs. Um, we're, we're talking about fasting, so I thought it'd be appropriate just to, to find out how your breakfast was. You know, we're continuing as part of this series on the Lord's Prayer that we've been traveling through bit by bit, and if you've missed some of that, I'd encourage you to go back and, and take it in. Our aim through this series has been to better understand what Jesus teaches his disciples about the spiritual discipline of prayer. He unpacks this, and so we've been memorizing together this passage of Scripture that is the basis for the traditional Lord's Prayer, that if you've got a church memory, if you grew up in any church tradition, you likely grew up sharing some version of the Lord's Prayer together out loud with the rest of the congregation. And so we've been memorizing this bit of Scripture that is the basis for the traditional Lord's Prayer together and saying that out loud. And that's been great to do. And um, we're excited to move forward now, not quite out of this series, but we see in Scripture and in Jesus' very teaching that it's practically the same breath that he tells the disciples, this then is how you should pray. It's practically the same breath that he moves on and says, and by the way, when you fast, here's how to do that too. And if you look throughout the rest of Scripture, both prayer and fasting tend to go together. They tend to be, be two sides of the same coin. And one of the things that we value at LifePoint is we believe that for faith and practice and how we live our lives, that we should start and stay with Scripture. It's, a, it's one of our core values. And we did not feel that we could, with, with a clean conscience before God and, and the Scriptures, have a series on prayer that is, especially in this passage, and then just leave out the end where Jesus gives these instructions on fasting. And so that's why, that's why we're continuing this series and focusing on these verses on fasting. We want to be faithful to the Word of God. So I ask again, how was your breakfast this morning? You know, I think if, if we're honest, the idea of fasting may be a little bit uncomfortable. There's lots of ways that term is used in our culture, 
in and outside of faith circles. There are many different religions that will use this term and this practice, and my, my guess is that talking about fasting, especially if you paid attention to the host section of our service where we learned about an upcoming time, 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church, my guess is you may be feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, and I understand that because breakfast is wonderful. And I understand your discomfort. And we just preached about earlier in the Lord's Prayer about asking God to give us this day our daily bread. And, you know, these, these two things can be in tension. And I'd imagine right now you have some internal tension if you're honest. Some of that tension may come from the reality that there, there are, and I'm privileged to know some of your stories, and I know there are some of you that have a very real medical situation that, that completely prevents you from fasting. And I know that there are many of us that have all kinds of both bits of mental and emotional, um, I don't know what the right word is, baggage doesn't seem right, but maybe it's the best one right now, baggage associated with food and eating or not eating. And so I know this can be a sensitive subject, and, and I want to approach this. I've been approaching this uh, prayerfully, and, and I hope that as a church we can approach this prayerfully too. And so I just want to share today that my goal today and my aim and my heart is that we will simply come to a place that we're willing to consider what Scripture teaches about fasting. That's, that's the aim today. That's the goal. We won't even talk about how to fast. I'm not even going to define for you what it means today. We're going to do that next week. Today, my hope and prayer is that for you and I, that we can see a case that's made in God's Word, that this is a thing that maybe we should consider seriously. And consider seriously as part of of a, a normal course of what it means to follow Jesus. Because I'll bet if we're honest, we all feel a little bit uncomfortable with the topic. So I want to invite you to open up your, your Bible if you haven't yet to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 in our passage for today. You can go there. Um, we are today going to be focusing on the beginning of this passage, Matthew 6, verse 16, and we're just looking at four words today, friends. Jesus starts off this passage with these words, and when you fast, and when you fast, just four little words. I think it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, or those of you who do fast, there's lots of ways he could have introduced this topic that maybe would have felt more appropriate to us today, but he starts it with these four words, and when you fast. It's like Jesus is assuming that his disciples, the people who have received this teaching on prayer, it's like he's assuming that this is not even a question in their minds. This is a cultural norm for them. This is simply what it means to be part of following Jesus. I mean, so to him, fasting is not extra. It's not above and beyond uh, in, in the realm of like spiritual practices. It doesn't put you in the realm of like super Christian. It's like this is just simply what you do. And when you fast, he says, 
you know, on, on some level here, we see that Jesus believes that this is a core part of what it would mean for somebody to be a follower of his. He sees this as what it means to be a disciple. This is part of it. Why would Jesus assume his followers would practice fasting? I mean, this is very, you know, we could also look at verse 17 if you want to go there. He repeats the same thing again. It's the exact same words in the Greek. Uh, but when you fast, he says there. This is not if or those of you who do or, you know, if, if this is something you find helpful, you should try it. No, 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 no. He says, and when you do this, why would Jesus assume that his disciples would fast? That's a good question. Um, I kind of, as I've chewed on this more and more, another question that's come up for me that I think might be helpful for us to look at is, why did Jesus fast himself? You know, he wasn't asking his disciples to do something that he didn't already do. This is, was already a part of his life. Fasting is already something Jesus did. We see that in Matthew chapter 4. I invite you to turn one page to the left in your, in your Bible if you're there. And we see in Matthew 4 that Jesus himself fasted. Why would he fast? Matthew 4 Verses 1 and 2 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No kidding. <laughs> Jesus himself fasted. Why would he fast? I think this is so fascinating. This is the God-man we're talking about. This is the, the, the second person of the Trinity. According to John chapter 1, nothing on this earth exists, including breakfast, except that which came into being because Jesus spoke it into being. This is the almighty creator God incarnate in flesh. He's sinless. He's perfect. He is the fullness of God somehow poured into the physical body of a human man and he thought it'd be a good idea for him to fast. Why did Jesus fast? You know, I think uh, this part of the reason is fasting is a spiritual discipline, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's a spiritual discipline. The spiritual disciplines are, are physical actions, things that we do in this life, and we, we use our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our heads. You know, kind of the, that's like the sum of who we are is our soul, like our physical being, our spiritual being, our, everything we do, like that's part of what our soul is. And a spiritual discipline is a thing that we do, and we do it for the purpose of, of some kind of spiritual benefit. So it's a, it's a physical action, whether it's reading scripture, memorizing scripture, committing it to memory in your, your physical brain. It's in there somewhere if you've memorized scripture and the Bible says that that's like hiding the word of God in our hearts. It becomes a part of who we are. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's a thing that you do with your physical being 
and you do it for a spiritual reason or for some kind of spiritual gain. So we're trying to understand, why did Jesus fast? You know, he, he did spiritual disciplines. He prayed. He sought the Lord out. He, he sought out solitude and silence, some other spiritual disciplines that we see in Scripture. Uh, you know, he, he practiced spiritual disciplines. So that has to be part of why Jesus fasted. Is it is itself a spiritual discipline. But the other thing that, that we, can, we can see in Scripture that is just a general scriptural principle that's helpful to look at today is that spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are how we engage in spiritual warfare. We can see this throughout all of Scripture. I'll go to two places real briefly. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus has been training his disciples, and he's sent them out. And when he sent them out, he gave them authority over every evil spirit. He gave them authority to heal people, like to heal sickness and disease and things like that. He sent them out to do ministry, and they did great ministry, but they ran into a snag. There was, there was one kid they couldn't free of, of his demon that, that was, was dwelling in this boy. And after the disciples came back, this kid's family came to Jesus and they were like, what's the deal? Your disciples tried to cast out this demon. He's had this demon for a long time. In fact, it's causing a lot of trouble and doing all these rough things and, and even threatening the boy's life at times. And, and so Jesus cast the demon out. And his disciples later are like, hey, why couldn't we do that? <laughs> Help us out, Lord. Like, what happened? And Jesus responds to them. He says, this kind, this type of demon, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And if you're reading in your Bible, you see a footnote. There's some manuscripts that, that, that actually record Jesus saying by anything but prayer and fasting. But the point is, prayer and spiritual disciplines in general, they are how we engage the spiritual battle that defines the life of a believer. And so if we're trying to understand why Jesus would fast, I think it's important to understand that fasting is a spiritual discipline and spiritual disciplines are used in spiritual warfare. One more place we can go to see this principle in Scripture is Ephesians 6.18. You may have some of this passage memorized. In this, Paul unpacks what it means to, to suit up with the armor of God. And he unpacks this idea that our battle as followers of Jesus, as Christians, is not against people, it's against the spiritual realm, the powers and authorities in the spiritual realms. And Paul talks all about the, the armor of God. And there are spiritual disciplines throughout the armor of God, but he sums it all up. And this is, this is how he describes you put into practice, you use the armor of God is right here, Ephesians 6.18, that you should be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, keeping alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is how you wield the sword of the spirit, friends. This is how we engage the spiritual battle that defines our life when we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus and become an enemy of evil instead of an enemy of our creator. And it's beautiful. So why did Jesus fast? Well, we know that fasting is a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare. And if we go back to Matthew chapter four, Jesus in this passage He's doing some spiritual battle, isn't he? He is facing the devil himself. 
Satan in the flesh. He's not, not in flesh. I don't know if he's in flesh or not. Uh, he's facing the evil one and being tempted by him. And, you know, if, if, we, if we understand this spiritual battle and the, this, this battle that we have against sin and this, the, the spiritual realms of all these things that we were just talking about, we can see traditionally throughout the, the, the history of the church and even recently, uh, we see this in, in recent writings as well, that the spiritual battle that Christians face is understood and has been for, for millennia in these three realms. There is, we face this battle with the devil and we see Jesus here, this battle against evil. Then there's also a battle with the flesh. And the flesh is our physical body with its physical desires. And for us on this earth, our, our flesh has been broken by sin, so we want things that destroy us. We want things that are not good for us. We want things that, if we follow them, ultimately lead to falling away from God. And, 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 and so there's this battle against the flesh. And then there's also, there's also this like spiritual battle with the world, which is kind of like the sum of everybody's flesh. You know, this is, this is where we get the Grammys <laughs> this year, right? And an artist like, like trying to... like impersonate the evil one himself like like there's there's the devil and the flesh and the world and we have this spiritual battle happening within these three realms and so as I look at this and understand what scripture teaches and try to ask this question why would Jesus who is perfect who is God himself who's sinless his flesh is not broken by sin like mine is why would he see fit to fast before he faced evil before he encountered the devil why would jesus fast i think our answer as we look at this is that jesus was fasting to turn his flesh into an ally for spiritual warfare he knew that he was going to face the evil one and that he would get the devil's best shot. He knew that even with his, his flesh that is not broken by sin, he, he knew that, that, that if, if he could leverage the stuff that is happening inside his body to help him depend on God the Father and be a person faithfully dependent on the word of God more and more and more, that that would put him in a place of great strength to face this evil. And it's beautiful. His physical hunger, which Matthew 4 is very careful to point out, he was physically hungry. His physical hunger left him relying completely on the word of God, which is a spiritually remarkable position of great strength and faith, something that the devil, his, his, his schemes could never match that kind of strength and position of reliance upon God and his word. Gee, I mean, just like, think about it in those terms. Jesus didn't fast to weaken himself so that like, like, like somehow like in his weakest form he would defeat the devil. He was positioning himself for a kind of strength that relies on God's word completely in that moment. Imagine how foolish it must have sounded for the devil to walk up to him and say, hey, you see that rock? And Jesus is like, yeah, I spoke that rock into being. And, and the devil says, you could turn that into bread and then you wouldn't be hungry. You know how that feels to a man that has already said no to that temptation for 40 days and 40 nights? 
It is silly. He was positioning himself, positioning his flesh, his, his limited physical body, though it was not broken by sin, it still was a physical body, positioned his flesh to be an ally in this spiritual warfare against the devil. So, friends, today, I want to encourage you and I urge you, what if we took the same position? What if we looked at the example of Jesus and said, you know what, if he was sinless and thought this was a good idea, maybe I and my brokenness all the more could benefit from this. Maybe I could in my brokenness all the more benefit from positioning myself to be fully dependent on God and his word. And maybe the hunger that I feel in my stomach and my flesh could actually serve to be a reminder that my reliance is upon God. That Jesus is the bread of life. That there's nothing on this earth that will satisfy me the way my creator satisfies me. And, and if we can get to that place, imagine the power within the spiritual realms that we have to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus. My friends, this is the kind of life that I want for us. Jesus himself fasted. He assumed that we would do this. And my guess is if you're anything like me, you might still need some convincing. <laughs> you might still need a little bit of convincing because frankly, this is just not something that our culture embraces easily. And so if we were committed to stop ignoring this practice of fasting, those of us who have ignored it, if we were committed to, to looking at Scripture with fresh eyes to say, Lord, what do you have in this? You've, you've assumed that this is part of following you. What is there in your word for me to understand and know about why I should fast? Let's, let's take a glance at what we would see. Why fasting? Why should we fast? And I, I, I did some, some research and did some digging, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to look at some things quickly here, but we can see in Scripture that proper fasting, the right kind of fasting, it helps us to do a number of things that if we're serious about following Jesus, these things should matter to us. Proper fasting helps us to pray powerfully and effectively. We've been looking at prayer together, haven't we? We've been looking at prayer together. We've been studying it together. And, and we see in God's word that proper fasting, it helps us pray powerfully and effectively. Look at Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 to 23. Just briefly. Ezra says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God and seek from him a safe journey. And there's a whole backstory here that we're not going to dig into. But, but we see here God's people proclaim a fast to seek the Lord. They wanted to pray for a special kind of provision and protection for the glory of God's name. They've, they've been telling everybody about how great God is. And now they're like, okay, we need you to come through and we want to pray that you'll provide this protection. And so, so they declared a fast fast, a time of prayer and fasting. Verse 23 here. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. He heard our prayers. Fasting can help us pray powerfully and effectively. Flip over, if you will, be up on the screen to Nehemiah chapter 1. We see this in Nehemiah 1 as well. Nehemiah 
Nehemiah has just learned that, that his countrymen, back, back the remnant that didn't get carried off, that they're in a bad place. And he says here in Nehemiah 1, 4, he says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He's fasting. He's praying. He's praying hard. And he goes on in verse 6, he says, he says to God in his prayer, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel. He is fasting and he is in prayer. And his fasting helps him to pray powerfully and effectively. It helps him focus his prayer. We see this again in Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. The prophet Daniel says this. He says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. We see God's people throughout time. We see this in the New Testament as well. When they are serious about prayer, they start fasting. Fasting can help us to pray powerfully and effectively, but that's not all it does. It also can help us to confess and repent of sin. It can help us confess and repent of sin. If we go back to the further back in the story of the nation of Israel, 1 Samuel chapter 6, then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered there, drew water, poured it out before the Lord and they fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. As a nation, they came together to confess their sin, to repent before God and say, hey, we have sinned, we've messed up. And they did that with prayer and fasting. We see that as well. In the book of Ezra, chapter 9, a little bit further on than, 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 than where we were. Ezra 9, 5 to 15. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn, fell upon my knees and spread my cloak, my hands out before the Lord and saying, Oh God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads. Our guilt is mounted up to the heavens. And he goes on through, through you can look at this the beautiful prayer of confession through verse 15, 16 here in, in Ezra. We see in Nehemiah, after, after Nehemiah himself prays and then he leads an effort and he goes back and that's a great story. Go back and read Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 9, 1 through 4, we see all of the people together. It says, Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and, and the, with earth on their heads and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities even of their fathers. It goes on to say they made confession and worship before their God. Fasting can help us. It can help us. Proper fasting helps us with, to pray powerfully and effectively, to confess and repent our sin. And there are many other things. I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going through all of them. <laughs> I'm not going to go through all the verses here. But if you keep going, fasting, what, what can it do? Proper fasting helps us to humble ourselves before God. It helps us to live in righteousness and generosity. We see that in Isaiah 58. 
Isaiah 58. It's beautiful. If you want to learn about fasting, study Isaiah 58. It helps us live in righteousness and generosity, understand God's leading and guidance, live with deep satisfaction in our lives, helps us to build and restore God's kingdom work even among the generations, helps us resist temptation and fight evil. We see that in Matthew chapter 4. We've been looking at that. We see fasting in the early church in Acts. It helps us focus our times of worship, Acts 13, 1 to 3. Helps us discern God's leading for ministry by the work of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts 13. And it helps us to commit to the Lord the leadership of the church. When they were committing new leaders for the church, they did it with prayer and fasting. These are some of the benefits that you can see why Scripture says it's good to fast. Proper fasting helps us do this stuff. Now, friends, those of you who, who call yourselves followers of Jesus, is there anything on this list that you don't want? Is there anything on this list that God's church can't benefit from today? Is there anything on this list that would not train your heart and your spirit and your soul with a different kind of strength and reliance upon the Lord? This is what happens as God's people fast. So why should we at LifePoint today, 2,000 years later, consider fasting? You know, like I said, we start and stay with Scripture. That's one of our values here. And in Scripture, Jesus' teaching on prayer is directly connected to this teaching on fasting that we just have towed the waters of today. And I really believe we can't receive one without the other. And that's why we're finishing this series on the Lord's Prayer by looking at what Jesus said about fasting. Now, God is not done with this church yet. This church has been a, a, a pillar of faithfulness in this community for 143 years. And the Lord is not finished here. He is nowhere near done with his gospel work through this congregation in this community. And as a church, we have fasted before. This is not totally new to us. If you've been around here since 2019, you may remember that fall, we set aside a, a special time and we gathered a, a team of people that we knew were committed to the Lord and committed to this church and we said, we wanna seek God and we wanna know where he's leading us. We know that he's called us to make disciples, but we want a fresh understanding of what that means in this place, in this time, in this season. God, what do you have for us? And we sought the Lord. And we invited the entire church to join us in seeking the Lord. We held meetings right in this room, prayer and fasting through this season of discernment that this team was meeting and working. And, and so we prayed and fasted in the fall of 2019. And the Lord answered our prayers by giving us COVID. <laughs> I can't, I don't know if that's actually how that worked. But, um, but we have prayed and fasted together. And he did answer our prayers, not with COVID, but he gave us a, a clear restatement of what it means for us to be a church that is making disciples in northern Colorado now. 
He gave us a fresh statement of our mission that comes, that comes from God's word, from Jesus himself. He helped us to re-clarify our identity and what it means to be a church that is about Jesus and the gospel. And he has led us to this plan. We've got a plan. We know where we're headed, this next steps plan for the next four years. And that includes this year. Our focus this year is bold prayer. Friends, we would not be faithful shepherds if we said that we can focus on bold prayer without engaging this practice of fasting. I want this. I want it for you. I want it for me. I want it for us. I want it for God's glory and what he's doing here in this time and in this place. So, this is why we should be fasting. My hope and my aim today is that if you, like me, perhaps enter into this topic feeling a little uncomfortable, that maybe you will be willing to at least consider that fasting can and should be a beautiful part regularly of what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to consider that in two ways. I've got two opportunities for you to apply what we're talking about today. The first one is homework for you to take with you this week, and that is I want you to take a picture of this. Sorry, go back. Sorry, back one. Take a picture of that. Study those scriptures. Google may even help you find some other passages that talk about fasting. I'll duck down so you don't get me. But get in God's word, see what he says about this thing that makes us so uncomfortable because breakfast is so good. Get into God's word and at least look at what it says. If we stop ignoring this practice and approach God's word with eyes that are open and willing to see and ears that long to hear what he has for us, trusting that what he has for us is good, I believe his word will transform you and it'll transform me. So consider that. The other thing I'd like you to do to help take a step towards seriously considering fasting is I want to know your heart a little bit. I want to know your experience on this a little bit. I want to know what, what comes to mind when you think about this. And so we've prepared a little survey for you. And you can participate whether you're joining us on the live stream at home or somewhere else across the world. You can participate right here in this room. And so at this time, I'll, I'd like to ask the ushers, would you hand out this survey? We've got paper copies. We've got digital copies. You can go to the next slide now. There you go. And um, I'd like to invite, if, if there's somebody from the worship team that would like to come up and give us some, uh, just some background music so that we can think and consider this. But there is a, a survey we put together, and they're going to hand you a paper copy. Go ahead and come on and hand those out. And take a minute and answer. This is a short survey, a few questions. You can also scan that QR code and do it on your phone if you'd like. It's a Google form. This is anonymous unless you choose to share your name and, and feel free to do that if you'd like. But fill out this survey. This will help inform a little bit because next week we're, we're going to move, take another step forward in this series and actually define what fasting is. And then we're also going to look at how we should fast. Today was why. Next week we're going to look at how. 
and I would love your input, and this will also inform our prayers for all of us. So go ahead and take a minute and fill this out. I appreciate you praying a little bit. I'll come up and close this time in prayer in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we trust that you are our Father. We long to see your kingdom in this place in a way that puts an end to disasters and tragedy and death and violence, all that is sinful and broken. We long to see your kingdom come to this earth. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that are a part of seeing your will done here just, just as it is in heaven where Jesus sits with you now in his physical, resurrected body. Lord, I pray that you would provide just what we need today. Our meals and, and, and clean water and those things that we tend to take for granted. But God, I also pray that today you would provide a measure of courage for us, for your people to see what your word declares, even about this, about fasting. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to forgive those who may have hurt us with spiritual practices and disciplines. We know and we see in your word that it is, it is not new that these practices and disciplines have been wielded in ways that do not glorify you and that are hurtful. Help us to forgive, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, you would not lead us into a trap of temptation, but that you would strengthen us, that we would be able to resist evil because of the work of Jesus. I pray that you would make us a people whose full reliance is upon you and your word and your promises. Lord, I pray that we would not be tempted to rely upon our own sufficiency, but that we would trust and rely only upon Jesus. Lord, we give you our lives and we declare that it is only in you that we can truly be satisfied, be strengthened, that we truly can find life. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.